Uh, for those of you who are uh, part of our, our live uh, um, devotional uh, study each day, uh, I had to go a little bit early today. I have some uh, past uh, ministerial meetings I have to be at in Jersey. So we're starting a little bit early today. We are on a week of looking at prayer as petition, where Jesus has given us permission to ask. And we're talking about the different things where our petitions make a a significant difference. One of those areas is the focus today of our Christian Missionary Alliance devotional. And it's the idea of creative access, that there there is a need to, to hear from God, to be anointed by God for, for breaking across barriers to people hearing and responding to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And one of the passages that is the focus of our devotional today is Jeremiah chapter, chapter 1. And it's actually uh, verse 7 where Jeremiah is, is uh, answering the Lord about his call. And so I thought I would read actually uh, a good portion of chapter one so you get the context of it. So here's Jeremiah. These are his words. He's the son of Hilkiah, who was one of the priests at Anathoth in the territory of Benjamin. Verse 2 says, And the word of the Lord came to him in the thirteenth year of the reign of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. And through the reign of Jehoiakim, son of Josiah, king of Judah, down to the fifth month of the eleventh year of Zedekiah, son of Josiah, king of Judah, when the people of Jerusalem went into exile. The word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Alas, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am too young. But the Lord said to me, do not say I am too young. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. Then the Lord reached out his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and kingdoms to uproot and tear down, to destroy and overthrow, to build and to plant. The word of the Lord came to me. What do you see, Jeremiah? I see the branch of an almond tree, I replied. The Lord said to me, you have seen correct, correctly, for I am watching to see that my word is fulfilled. Now, <clears throat> for me, when we talk about the barriers, um, the walls that keep in a way the gospel from, from effectively reaching people, There's obviously nothing wrong with having good strategies. There's nothing wrong with learning from one another about what works, what doesn't work. But ultimately, the barriers are not just cultural. They're not just material, national, or political barriers. The barriers are spiritual. And the barriers to anybody's heart is really really a spiritual barrier. 
And so the, for me, the reason to study Jeremiah and to, to take, take seriously the call of Jeremiah is because I don't think this is a unique thing. I don't think this is just Jeremiah and no one else. I think this reveals the way that the Lord wants to appoint us for our assignments and then also to anoint us to accomplish our assignments. So let's look at, I mean, let's look at together a little bit about the history here, because I think it's relevant to how Jeremiah's call and Jeremiah's ministry matches up with the, the call and ministry of every believer in our day. So Jeremiah lived <clears throat> and his ministry was approximately 600 years before Jesus. He is called the weeping prophet, and partially that's because he lived in a very dark time. Now, his whole life was not was not uh, oppressive. Um, we see in the history um, that's actually given to us in these first three verses, the history that's given to us through the names of the people that are associated with this. This was a season in which a mighty empire like Egypt was collapsing. It's a name, it's a season in which another Babylon was emerging. Um, the northern kingdom, at that point, the, uh, the, the Holy Land had been divided into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom, Israel with the ten tribes, had already been uh, dispersed by the Assyrians. And they are, they are now in captivity, in some ways never to fully return. And so the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, where the sons of David had ruled, Judah is left with Jerusalem and just the surrounding area. Now, in the early days of Jeremiah's ministry, he was partnered with Josiah, who was a godly king. Josiah had begun to reign when he was only eight years old, but he was guided by one of the priests uh, in his reign and in his, particularly in his teenage years. And Josiah had a heart for God and he led a revival of worship back to Yahweh. Around 626, Josiah is able to throw off the yoke of Assyria and this is the year of Jeremiah's call. So there's, there's a season of freedom. There's a season of prosperity. There's a season of revival that Jeremiah's early ministry is ushered into. Now, all for me, this is very significant. All around Jeremiah's life and ministry, there are, there are intrigues, political uh, realities that are taking place that are times of destabilization, times of, of uh, just tumultuous times. And yet that's not what Jeremiah focuses on. And, and I think that is a, it's, it's such a word for us today when we see destabilizations, instability, wars and rumors of wars and all the things that are going on. He, he is not saying that those political realities do not affect the people but he's, but he's really saying, and, and the call of Jeremiah is, is that the security of any people is their focus and worship of God. That 
politics are not Jeremiah's focus. Those political things are going on all around. And what Jeremiah is about and what I think the call on our life is to be about is not what's happening in the world, not that we're oblivious or ignorant, but rather to ask the question that Jeremiah asked, God, what are you doing? God, what are you up to? I mean, one of the amazing times in Jeremiah's ministry, just probably like five years into his ministry, the law of God is found. It had been lost. And as they read the law, the people realized how far away from God they had strayed. And there was, there was conviction, there was confession. A revival ensues from just reading the law of God. And for a time, Jeremiah actually has it very well. People listen, and he is the voice of the Lord to them. But then it's in a short time, everything changes. As the Babylonian Empire rises, Josiah is killed. And when Josiah is killed, the people sink back into their old ways. Babylon begins to control who is king. So one son is deposed and another is placed on the throne. The one placed on the throne by Babylon is Jehoiachin. And he's a terrible spiritual leader. Every reform that his father put in place he takes away. So Jeremiah stands as a lone voice in a kind of political wilderness, in a sense, in the midst of a, a, a religious situation that is, that is disastrous for the sake of the people. And the people react to him incredibly negatively. They want him killed. They want him silenced. They want him destroyed. And so in his call and in the way that God met with him and, and spoke to him, we see, some, we see some incredible patterns here. And we also see some incredible promise. Um, one of the things that I, I love in the Old Testament is the idea of the word of the Lord comes to the prophet. The, the, the word in Hebrew for word of the Lord is actually the burden of the Lord. And so it shows how our king, our God, is not indifferent and he's not distant. But rather the, the events of his people, the, the, what's going on in the earth is a burden. And he shares that burden with us. Everything God does, he does relationally. Uh, always the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are working relationally. And always as we are invited into the work that God is doing, it's a relational work. It's not just that we have a burden for our family or we have a burden for friends or co-workers. God has a burden and he's sharing it with us. And so this is, this is really essential to the, to the call that Jeremiah experiences. Jeremiah is a reluctant prophet. You heard him say when God said, I'm calling you, he said, I'm too young. One of the things that, that is really clear here is that our, our tendency is to think, I have to earn a call. I have to measure up. 
But Jeremiah was too young to have earned a call. He was called when he was a teenager. He neither had a past nor did he have any awareness of what his future would be. There's a sovereignty in the way that the Lord designates us to serve, to to be useful, to be effective. There's There's a way that his choice of us has nothing to do with our ability to earn it. Some ways... You, you don't, as you look at this, it's not necessarily that you're qualified for the call, but more that the call qualifies you. Because again, it's it, Jeremiah's effectiveness, Jeremiah's lasting impact is not because he was qualified, but rather because he was called. Now, I mean, one of the petitions that is, you know, implied in today's devotional is that there are places where the only way you could share the gospel is with creative access. And 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 so there has to be there have to be strategies, there have to be positioning yourself well so that you can you're in a place where you can share the good news of Jesus Christ. But somehow to to miss this aspect of the call of God, the equipping of God that that the call itself qualifies you, and that that means every step of the way, there has to be a dependence. Um, when the Lord spoke to Jeremiah, he says, "I want you to I want you to go to everyone I send you, and I want you to say every word I have for you to say." Well, no servant of the Lord ever did that better than the Son of Man, than Jesus himself, who said, I, I do nothing of my own initiative, but I do everything I see the Father doing. And I say nothing of my own, you know, of my own initiative, but I say everything I see the Father saying. Well, we can have great strategies, but if we don't have intimacy and, and are not responding to his call and not moving where he sends us, not saying what he says for us to say, it's probably where our, our lack of effectiveness really comes from. It's not coming from a lack of strategies. It's coming from a lack of intimacy with the one who calls us. I mean, notice what, what he says, and, and this is not just for Jeremiah. He says, he put his word in his mouth. Now, it, 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 the call of Jeremiah, he says, I'm setting you over nations and people. Now, Jeremiah never became a ruler, never became a king or even a governor or any of those things. So what was it that God was doing? God was giving Jeremiah his word to speak over nations, over people groups. And the first word that he, that he gives to Jeremiah is the almond tree. And the significance of the almond tree is the almond tree is the first tree in the Middle East. It's the first tree to bloom to tell you spring has come, that life has come after after a long winter. And God says the picture of the almond tree was was a promise to Jeremiah that every word that God gives to him will come true. See, this is a confidence that we can have. We can be sent to difficult places. We can be called to difficult ministries, but if it's God's word in our mouth, it's not us over nations. We are, we are merely messengers. The word itself is, has the authority, and God himself will fulfill his word. 
Um, that's that's the promise. I I've always liked teaching. I've always loved preaching. I've always loved that. But there there is to me there's something more important than being a good teacher. There's something more important than being an effective communicator or a person who can deliver a sermon. It's when you sense that the word coming forth is God's word in your mouth. Not just that you you studied well, you researched well, but this sense of anointing that Christ is making his appeal. And so if we're really talking about being creative in our access to people and, and, and really talking about seeing successfully sharing the good news with people, then there has to be this disposition that, that the Lord is asking of Jeremiah, a teenager. Wherever I send you, you go. To whomever I send you, you, you go. And whatever I give you to say, you say. Can any of us do that perfectly? No. But the more you do it, the more you start to realize which, which words are your words and which words are the words that the Lord himself is putting in your mouth. And the, the second word that he gave to him was about this boiling pot. Now, here's a teenager. Doesn't understand the political realm. He's not been out of, out of Jerusalem's area that we know of. And yet the Lord tells him that, that everybody's predictions and the way that everybody sees the world is wrong. Because everybody's looking at the old Assyrian empire. They're looking at they're looking at the Egyptian empire and, and, and the kings are trying to make deals in order to secure the safety of the, of the nation. And God says, Assyria is not the problem. Egypt is not the problem. No one saw that Babylon was rising. They were all afraid of these other empires. They were not afraid of Babylon. And God gives a word long before Babylon became an issue God gave the word to Jeremiah, the problem is brewing, but it's Babylon. So you can imagine how he's got a word of the future reality, but nobody wants to hear it. No one wants to think about Babylon. They want to think about Egypt. They want to think about other possibilities. And God's saying, that's not your problem. And so one of the things is, is that you realize is that, that when you're hearing, when someone is hearing from God, sometimes you're a year ahead. Sometimes you're three years ahead of where people want to be. It doesn't mean it's not true. It just means that sometimes you're seeing things or God is sharing things with you that people don't want to hear. People in, in Jeremiah's day, they wanted to hear about Egypt. They wanted to hear about other things. They didn't want to hear about Babylon. Well, any of us who know anything about history realize it's not long and Babylon's the one that comes and deports all the inhabitants of, of Jerusalem and, and who destroys the governmental structure of Jerusalem and then takes down the walls and takes down the temple. So you can see that, you know, the Lord is putting, right from the beginning, the Lord is putting his word into into Jeremiah's very mouth. He's telling him what nobody else wants to hear. Now that's going to cause problems. It's going to put him in a, comp, uh, a clash um, with you know, the, the wisdom of the day, so to speak. 
And so what is he saying to Jeremiah? Well, he's saying, Jeremiah, you're going you're gonna to have to be strong. And he explains something to Jeremiah in, 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 in detail and in clarity. He says, why is this coming? Because of the wickedness of the people. And, and this is so, uh, this is, the words that he speaks to Jeremiah have always, it, they've always resounded in my heart. I haven't always been good at this. But I think this is a call if you're gonna, if you're gonna minister in the spirit and you're gonna minister in his word effectively. He says to Jeremiah, get yourself ready. I mean, I would love it if there was a formula where every, Everybody loves what you have to say. But often when you really are speaking God's truth and God's word, people don't love it. Jeremiah's word was not, was not received easily or well because it wasn't what people wanted to hear. And so he said, they said to him, get yourself ready. And then this is such a clear command to him. He's, God is speaking to the one he's calling, and he says, do not be terrified by anyone. And right from the beginning of his ministry, he says, trust in God and not in others. Reverence God and don't be afraid of anybody else. Now, God is is doing this while offering to Jeremiah an intimacy that is worth the trouble that he's going to go through. And the book of Jeremiah is, is fascinating of the, of the journey of Jeremiah, both his development mentally, emotionally, spiritually, both how, how, how real a person Jeremiah is, how, how discouraged he got at times, how, how sad he was at times. But it always came back to this part. God was developing in him a trust. Not in government, not in his security and other people, but his trust in God alone. But then God explains how ministry really happens. Uh, this was not explained to me in seminary, uh, but it has come to it has come to be a reality. Is that when you are truly effective in sharing God's truth, it, it, it's not because you're angry at people. It's not because you're. You're insecure about the situation and uh, economically, governmentally, politically. It's not, that's not when you're effective. When you're effective is, is when you have an intimacy with God and God entrusts you with the burden he has for the people he's calling you to minister to. Because what, what Jeremiah makes clear is in the interchanges he has with God, God is sharing with him the burden that God has for the people. And he's inviting Jeremiah to share the burden with him. So Jeremiah's life is not about how comfortable is Jeremiah. Jeremiah's life is not about how well-received is Jeremiah. Jeremiah's life is an intimacy with God where the, the very burden God had for his people is shared with this prophet. And when Jeremiah prays, when he preaches, when he ministers, he's ministering from a place of this is the burden of the Lord. And the burden of the Lord that he shares right in the very beginning helps us to understand the very heart of God 
for his people. And what he, what he gives to Jeremiah is he explains the relationship between Yahweh and, and his people, Israel. There's a relationship of husband or bridegroom and bride. And especially centering on Judah, the tribe of Judah, from which Jesus will come. And he, he basically, in Jeremiah, he says, Judah is my bride. And he talks about how he cares for her, how intimate he was with her, how, how, how much provision, even of giving a honeymoon period where anything that she needed or wanted. But then he starts to share his broken heart with his people. He said, adultery has taken place. And what you see is the people have spurned Yahweh as their husband, and they have turned to other lovers. He actually calls Judah a donkey in heat. In the name of being independent from God, in the name of being free to do whatever they wanted to do, the people had turned to spiritual adultery. So, so God calls a reluctant prophet to give a charge to a reluctant people. And Israel is under the spell of and mastery of regional gods instead of the one true and living God. They're trying to survive by political alliances with other nations. For success, they're turning to pagan altars, even to pagan fertility cults. Their worship, God says, has turned to prostitution. Success is the only thing they care about, anything for success. And when anyone comes and calls them on it, they deny their guilt. They say, they say we are innocent. We are, we, we are not sinful. We're religious. So they've turned from trusting God to a religious presumption that since they have the temple and since they have sacrifices, they'll be fine. So they're living and worshiping idols, but they're presuming on God to give them mercy and grace. At one point, God speaks through Jeremiah and says, you trust in all these other gods, then let them save you. And there is no salvation in those gods. It's, so Jeremiah has this, this mission, this ministry, where he's talking to a people who have done the worst of things. They have dethroned God. They have taken God from God's place. They have said, we know what is good, we know what is right, which was the ultimate rebellion that the serpent led Adam and Eve into. It's a patternable form of rebellion. This is the nature of spiritual adultery. For the sake of independence and freedom, spiritual adultery takes place. And one of the things that I think blows me away in the the story and the message of Jeremiah is our God never gives up on them, never quits. Every word that he's speaking to Jeremiah is a word, come back, come back. But one of my favorite things is, is when he speaks to them on the day they're being deported, when their wickedness and their infidelity is at it, has been at its height and they're on their way to Babylon and the Lord speaks to them and says, the days are coming when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. And you see, what the Lord is saying is, 
you can't keep the covenant. You can't perform your way back into relationship with me. So I'm making a new covenant. And it's such a beautiful thing because that's what Jesus instituted. On the night he was betrayed, Jesus took the bread and said, this this bread is my body broken for you. And then he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. I, I, I'm amazed at our God. He makes a covenant with us. He keeps the covenant for us. He takes the punishment of the brokenness of our part of the covenant on himself, atones for that curse, that broken covenant with his own blood, and then he offers us the benefits of the covenant. When you are going to God, you're not going to an angry God who's disappointed in you. When you're going to God, you're going to a husband, a bridegroom, who has always wanted to have you intimately in his life and close to himself. Uh, Joel Smith wrote the devotional this, the, that we're looking at today about creative access. And he says this, when we move into prayer, that is truly intimate conversation with our Father, as Jesus taught us our fa- to pray our Father, we bring our petitions to him and then respond to his promptings to take his word, the word he puts in our mouth, to take his word to a lost world around us. This is the call. Uh, You didn't get the call because you're qualified, but the call itself qualifies you to receive his word, to take it into your mouth, and then to speak it to everyone he sends you to, and to believe and trust, to not be afraid of them, but to fear God, to reverence God, to love God so much that nothing else could keep you from speaking what he's given you to say. And then he will make, in our creative ways, and he will make us successful wherever we are. His word will not fail. The olive tree that Jeremiah saw in his first vision was the promise of God that he would fulfill every word that God gave to him. And so it is true with us. So it's true for you, for me. The confidence that his word will not return void.